0: Recorded live from Coolidge, Arizona on April the 8th, 2018. My, it's good to see all of you tuned in today. And we have some things that hopefully will be helpful to you in your journey. I, I heard a statement one time by Dan Rather, not pro or against, pro or con on some of the things that he stood for, but that's immaterial. He made a statement that really is true, that life, life, did you hear that? Life moves on hope. Now you think about that. And so we're giving to you what we consider to be the basics of an abiding hope. We're on the journey. For discovering that, and we're hoping that you have the grit to stay put and to stay with us in this journey. One of the things that you have to avoid on some journeys is you have to enjoy, you have to avoid comfort foods. What do I mean by a comfort food? Like the cookies we just ate, donuts, things of that nature. Those are comfort foods. They taste so good and they're so bad for you. We have to avoid comfort religion. And we're not here teaching basket weaving. You're going to have to think. And so it's not a comfort religion that God brings to us although it ends in being Comfortable to those who abide by it. But there's a lot of discipline involved. A lot of discipline involved. And so on the beginning of our notes tonight, or this morning, uh, we're asking you to listen. Are you breathing just a little and calling it a life? God says, I wish above all things in the book of James that you, you, you may... Um, prosper in body, soul, and spirit. God looks at the complete being and wants us to be complete in our life's experience. He wants us to learn to love life. And you don't get it by just barely breathing. You have to exercise. I mean, last Sunday, um, we had Lori here, and she was sharing with us the positive effects on her lungs in mountain climbing. Climbing and stretching those lungs and the results of it was that they felt refreshed and invigorated. Um, As so true that is religiously, you can't just nip and nip and nip at it to have any results from it. You have to really exercise. have to get involved in it. So, we have looked in a little bit of a review here where we have been. I want I want to, again, state that these lessons are intended to enhance all of life, all of life. So, breathe deep. We've been so far on the first part of our notes. Uh, I don't know how many of you have notes. I'm not going to follow them exactly, but um, they're they're sent to you and they're there for you. I think if anyone has a problem, why let us know? But the first thing we discussed on the very first on the chart was the two laws uh, that are the basis of order in any society. It doesn't make any difference where you live, who you are. There are two laws. They're just as basic as they can be. And who can give me those two? Give me law number one. Do all that you agree to do. All right, that's lesson number one. Go back and hear it. Listen to it over and over again. Lesson number one the first lesson of the two laws in lesson one is that you do all that you agree to do. That words have significant meaning. And if they don't, don't use them. The second law was, we're, we, we're just, we we can't be exhaustive in our review here, just the highlights. What's the second law? Respect
1: others and their property.
0: All right. You do not infringe on other people or their property. And we have to remember that word for word, get it memorized, go over it and over it, make sure that the children learn it and know it and can quote it, And then from rote memory, it becomes a part of the heart. Nothing gets into your spirit until it is memorized by rote. So it has to be through memory. Memory is the capacity that God has given to us through which truth becomes a part of our spirit. That's why memory works. I have a Bible that I got from my mother before she passed it well at her it was given to me at her funeral. And in that Bible, which was her last Bible, page after page in the front, all those bare pages filled with her memory verses. She memorized verses every day. We taught us to memorize verses. So it's very important to get things into your mind in, in a memory rote form because it's, that's the access that they become a part of your gizzard for those of you who are foul. And then we looked at two lessons from that, that we learned from God, about God, from the two lessons horizontally how people get along in a society. We learned two things about God. One is that God does what he says he's going to do. He never violates his word. And secondly, he will never infringe on an individual nor their property. we learn that from the scripture. Now that doesn't mean that in the process of revelation, there were those with whom he did predestine. But that's not the general rule. That's an exception. And don't use the exception as a rule for which you go by. That violates the tenor of Scripture. So we'll learn those two things about God. We need to know those two things about God. That He will do what He says He's going to do and we can trust Him on that. And the Bible is a record of God doing what He said He was going to do. And that He will not infringe on the individual in any way Because to do so violates his purpose for creation. And we'll talk about that in later lessons. Then thirdly, we talked about the two physical laws. The two physical laws, if you don't have that word in there, you probably need to add it in there. The two physical laws that all questions about origin. The origins of the universe. And the history since the origin. The two physical laws that every question must be answered through. And one is, of course, the first law of thermodynamics. And by by the way, this is not exhaustive. There are many things involved in this. We give you just two so that you have a basis of coming to the realization that what we're talking about is reasonable. And you may have to pursue it further than this. But the first thing is that the first law of thermodynamics that all of science is governed by, and by the way, the, sci- the word science, don't get hung up on that. The word science means it's, a, it's the result of what is observable and not only observable, but it has to be repeatable. So what can a scientist say about origin?
1: No
0: you got it absolutely nothing. So when your textbook in school start talking about how things began, they're not t- they're not talking scientifically, they're talking philosophically. You got that? That's philosophy. But science to be science, it has to be observable and it must be what I say, repeatable. 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 Otherwise, it's not scientific. Doesn't make any difference what anybody says. So, the first law is that of thermodynamics that we talked about. The first two laws, and they go together. The first one is that uh, all all of matter and energy are constant. That there's no no change what there has there has all what what god created in the beginning for water there is as much water now as there ever was but it may be in a different form it may be polluted it may not be as drinkable but that still doesn't change the fact the first th- law of thermodynamics is that everything is constant now remember that folks that's the basis of science secondly is that the second law of thermodynamics is that everything experiences the loss of the availability of energy that's known as entropy. Let me illustrate it again. I did the same thing last week, but by way of review um, we need we need to remember that um, <clears throat> the the water wheel is just an example folks There are just they're just hundreds and th- thousands of ways of going but uh, the water wheel is enough. You have a river coming down and it, uh, there, there, there is a, a waterfall and you build a little building there and you put a water wheel outside that building and the river coming down is all channeled for that water wheel and it fills the cups of that water field with weight weighted water and as it fills those cups, and they're big cups depending on how it is, by the way, the generators and Multnomah Dam all work the same way. That water coming through the dam, although there is horizontal and not vertical, all working the same way. Is that the water comes through, and uh, the weight of the water pulls that big water wheel down, and as it reaches, those cups reach the bottom while they're emptied out, and it comes back up. And the water coming down the river keeps that wheel turning. And that wheel is turning a shaft that goes into a generator, and that generator is producing uh electricity, harnessing it, harnessing it
1: you no. can't you can't produce more power than from what you started with
0: you can't produce more
1: it's not possible
0: it can't it, it has to that's right so that river coming down is what we call what kinetic energy what is kinetic energy kids you've got to learn this kinetic energy is energy that if you harness it can be turned into mechanical energy or electrical energy or some other kind of energy. Kinetic energy has the potential of being converted. Force. I throw, a, I throw a big boulder, I roll a big boulder off of a cliff. If you can harness the fall of that big boulder, if you can harness that as it goes down, that weight of that boulder going down would turn a shaft and be converted, kinetic energy can be converted to mechanical energy or to electrical energy. You know, it all depends on how you're using it. But that's kinetic energy is energy that is by motion, weight and motion. Now you would think the first law says that that can be reversed, that the river going downstream can come back and reverse that wheel Get back into the river and go back upstream. That's the first law. Because everything is still there. The water is still there. The wheel is still there. The weight is still there. But what's lost? The availability of the energy, of kinetic energy, can't reverse the process. What does it take to reverse the process? An external agent. And that's If you realize that, you will never have any issues with evolution again in your life. One is that all things are constant. Secondly, that there is the loss of of the availability of energy, that things cannot be reversed without an external agent. So when God created, everything was created full grown, full bore, and from that point on, we are all in the state of deterioration. When you are born, you begin to die. Now, there is an external agent available to you. That's what these lessons are about, is to bring you to the idea of the external agent that can change the laws of thermodynamics.
1: But David, I believe that nobody plus time plus change plus nothing equals everything.
0: Yeah. (laughs) So you got a problem. Yeah. That's what you believe? I can't change that and god won't change it either so you're stuck with it that nothing 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 plus time plus chance equals everything you got a problem and i would say duplicate it give it
1: more time
0: yeah duplicate it How about more nothing. take a cup with nothing in it then remove the cup still has nothing right you got nothing nothing and wait until something happens out of that give it more time and eventually, your dream will come true. Yeah. Wishful thinking. All right. Every question about, from science has to answer those two positions. Everything about, every question about origin and the history since the origin must fit into law one or two of Thermodynamics. Then last week, we noticed two more things. The two foundational facts about the Creator. One, what's the first one? He's hidden. God hides Himself. Now, don't try to bring God out of hiding or you become permanently cursed. Don't do that. Don't bring God out of hiding because it says, remember the verses we read? God hides Himself. No one has seen God at any time. Folks, there's a reason why. But you know why folks are, are confused about what that means? Is they don't have the world view that's established by the Scripture. And if you don't have the right world view, you can go anywhere you want. Let's get real. That's what I say. This is a journey. And folks, you've got to have the grit to stay all the way through the journey to come to the right destination. God hides himself. He hides himself. He keeps himself to keep us in the situation of faith. And in order to do that, he created the human being with the capacity for faith. of all of God's creation, we have a capacity for faith. That means we can collect information and from that collection we can draw rational conclusions.
1: And David, here's here's one. The apostles who were with Christ when he was a man Experienced a lot of things when they witnessed just the messenger of God after all of their experiences at their age with their experience and wisdom. What did they do? They fell down. Yeah. Whether it was, it was, oh, it was overwhelming to them. Straight
0: down on their face. And at the very last, they were at a distance, it was more than they could take.
1: And so you can see yeah. why, you know, we, it's, it, when it's taken out of our control, we don't have free will anymore. Right. So we're protected by God being hidden. It isn't that he doesn't want me. It. It's a way to allow us to function and come to our own conclusions, which is what he wants, whether whatever they are. Right. Well, that's good. Good observation. But people read that in the Word and they somehow they apply themselves to those situations.
0: Well, and, that, and I think that's what you're talking about, that's, right? Yeah, that's right. We have to get we have to get ourselves out of that. By the way, this is this is free. There are no use in the Bible.
1: Yeah.
0: Not in the New Testament. And if you ever put yourself in that, then you got a problem. Why how how can we say that because Unless there is a specific name, and I don't find, my name's not anywhere in the New Testament. Traxler doesn't exist anywhere. No, I, I, I can prove that. You read it through three times and you won't find it. I'll give you $1,000 if you do. I'd love to have my name, but I'm not in there anywhere. i can be and, that
1: money for years. years.
0: You've been hoping for it, haven't you? I can just see your eye. Every time I see Newland,
1: I see dollar signs. You know, there's a Bible in this room somewhere. It's got your name on it. I'm I'm looking to collect.
0: <laughs> it's right over Yeah, right here. Right here. It's got my name on it. You got it. Again. I've done it. Yeah, see? So, uh, where was I? There's oh, no U. There's no U in the Oh, the U is always a corporate. You have to be a part of that group to be a participant in whatever it is he's talking about. It is always a corporate pronoun. Now don't forget that. It's going to make a difference in how you look at the scriptures. But we're not into the scriptures yet. We're getting, we're just building a foundation. By the way, we have to be careful. How much are we willing? How much are we willing to skip? in the process of building a right machine how many parts Neil can you leave out of the machines that you work and fine-tune down to thousands of an inch how many parts of that machine can you leave out and still end up with the right product none, none. Wow. and we're talking about right now people go into soul winning classes And they skip all of these things that are so critical because you can't come to a conclusion and you can't produce the final product until you have all of the components working complete and functioning together. That's true in life. It only takes one thing in your car or your motorcycle, Nolan, to not work and you didn't get started this morning. He ended up pushing his bike, his bicycle, eight miles to church. It wouldn't
1: start. i forgotten about that till you brought it up again. So.
0: So now he's turned mad and sour. It, it, it might still work. Yeah.
1: I know. So
0: God hides Himself. We have the capacity for faith, and God hides Himself because He gave us that capacity, and all of life is premised on faith. It began with Abraham. Amen. And we're going to find out a whole lot more about that as we go on. This is just introducing these themes. So the two foundational facts about the Creator uh, that we believe has is reasonable to believe in because of where we've already been. He hides Himself, and that He is the whole of goodness. That means that you know good, and we've defined this in one of the earlier lessons, but we need to rehash it again. Good is the fulfilling of purpose and design. When he made a tree, now let's let's say that he made a barrel cactus. It's got thorns on it. And he looked at that barrel cactus out there in Arizona. He said, "Wow, that's a great cactus. It is a good cactus." What was it doing? Flower. It had a flower. <laughs> And it was producing seeds. That's what it says in Genesis chapter 1. It was good because it was fulfilling its purpose. Bearing fruit is the exact word of Genesis. It was bearing fruit. It was producing a fruit right off the bat. And God said, now, it's producing a fruit, therefore it is good. That means, folks, that whenever you talk to somebody about God, they have to understand, first of all, that God is a God who hides himself. If you don't start there, don't waste your time. You're not ever going to get anywhere, and they're never going to be converted to the truth. They're going to be converted, but never to the truth. You have to start with God hiding himself. That's the major premise of Scripture. Secondly, that he is the completion. He is the whole. H-W-H-O-L-E of goodness. That means that all that He did, all that He does is purposeful. There is a design and a purpose for all that God does. He is the source of all legitimate purpose. If people do not understand that, don't ever talk to them about Jesus Christ because you're wasting your breath. Because Jesus... Christ is a part of that purpose. But they have to know that. Don't waste your breath in stuff that doesn't matter. The stuff that keeps them more a son of perdition than they were to begin with. Be careful about that. So last week, we we spent time reading scriptures about God hides himself and that he is the whole of of goodness and that we are who come to Him, must seek Him. What is it we seek about Him? We seek to become aware of God's purposes. Anybody who doesn't come to God that way, folks, they haven't got a chance. I don't care what you teach them. I don't care how many jails they go through. I don't care how many rehabilitation programs they go through. You have to know that God is a God of purpose. That's why it's talking about that He is the goodness in all of His completion. That all that He does is according to purpose. We have to realize then that all that we seek about God is that there is purpose in life. So the opposite of purpose, which is good, is what? Evil. evil, evil, is not an empty uh, a reality in and of itself. It is the absence of purpose. It is the absence of design. So when someone does something wrong, it isn't what they did wrong that's the issue. Is that they did that wrong because it was outside of purpose, God's purpose.
1: You looked at him. In last week's lesson, you hooked that into order and disorder, along with some talk about that making evolution impossible.
0: True. Good. I'm glad you brought that up. I just can't go over everything again. Yeah, you can. Yes, I can. <laughs> <laughs> we, we, have, we have to keep moving on. But, David, great
1: point about that that in, in, impossible to go from order, from disorder to order. That isn't how e- even nature works. Nothing <laughs>
0: works that way. Nothing goes from disorder to order without an external agent. You, you know, the, the guy, here he you got a, a guy, he's got a farm man, he's got white fences, <clears throat> the, the, the fields are all manicured, the cattle out there grazing, they're happy as a left handed clam, really happy little cows, contented milk. The brown ones, of course, give chocolate milk. <laughs> And, you know, everything is just peaceful. And a, a, a guy, a salesman from the city comes along. And he talks to the farmer and says, Boy, God gave you a beautiful farm. Oh, what a insult. oh, and the farmer looked at that guy carefully and he said, Well, you know, sir, you should have seen this farm before I took it over. Right. You see, everything goes from disorder to disorder. I mean, from order to disorder. Every one of God's systems goes from order to disorder. Everything began fully wound up and is in the process of unwinding. It may take a long time. We may not see much of that in any one given lifetime. So here we have um, two more things. We've had the two laws for horizontal um, people-to-people relationships, the order, the basis of order in any society. The two lessons we learned from that about a vertical relationship from, from the Creator. These are laws that are established in the Scripture, folks. We've learned about the two physical laws that all questions about the origin and the history since that organ must answer to. We've looked at the two foundation facts about the Creator that God hides himself and that he is the whole of goodness. Now, folks, you're getting a foundation. You're getting a base from which we can begin to get serious in our journey. If you haven't gone through these lessons, go back and get a handle on them. Now, there's two more things I want to add now. There are two results of creation that have a lot to say. Because I want to introduce now A personal beginning. Go with me to Psalms 19 and verse 1. Psalms 19 and verse 1. Here we have an illustration that the physical universe has something to say. And it introduces to us a personal, infinite, now get it, an infinite, personal, by the way, the word eternal doesn't appear in any language. Hebrew, Aramaic, or Greek. Did you know that the word eternal, everlasting, forever, and age are all the same identical word? You all know that. So whenever you see the word eternal in the Bible, don't get in your mind infinity. It's always from the word meaning that which is bounded by two points. Don't forget that. Don't forget it. I'm going to say it again. Don't forget it.
1: Beyond our scope of understanding.
0: That's right. So, so when it says number five up there, I wrote it and underlined it. Eternal kingdom. What does that mean? That's what it says in Second Peter one eleven, But it means the kingdom of our Lord that has two boundaries, a beginning and an ending. And we know both now because we've been through Revelation. We know when both. Okay.
1: Yeah.
0: So re- remember... There are words that we have assumed in the English language that are not a part of the original languages. And we have a meaning built into our think, into our mind about those words. And folks, they are not biblical. We've got to get back to what's real. And just thinking something to be true long enough doesn't make it true. You see, you add time to that notion. And you can, think, you can think the wrong thing, and you think, well, in time, it's going to become that way. I think this way about God, and if I think that way long enough, eventually that's how God will be. Nonsense. As Tanya would say, hogwash. Now, the, the two results of creation have a lot to say, beginning with Psalms 19 and verse 1, and we're just talking about two again. Two laws, two laws, Two physical laws, two foundational facts, and now two results of creation. Both of them introduce to us the idea of an infinite personal God. Why did I say infinite? Because the Bible doesn't use the word eternal. I know it's in the translation, but it's not a legitimate translation. All right. Psalms chapter 19, verse 1, the heavens are telling. Of the recognition of God. The word glory means to be recognized. The heavens are telling. They have a word. Have you ever listened to the heavens speak? And tell about their view of the infinite personal God? People haven't got time for that. They've got all these tectonic stuff going on. They've got time to look at the universe. Part of the reason why we are so absorbed by all of this technical stuff today, one of the motivations is it keeps us from thinking. Thinking about our universe that we live in. The heavens, the heavens have a story about recognizing God. And the expanse of the heavens... They are declaring the work of His hands. This is the product of an infinite personal God. And you didn't see that? You don't see that? Then it's time for you to get off your high horse and get out at night and look at the stars. Watch the twinkle. And maybe sing that little child song, Twinkle, Twinkle Little Star. (laughs) All right, let's go to Job chapter 12. Job chapter 12. So first of all, the physical universe has something to say about the infinite personal God. You mean you're not as smart as a star? You're not as smart as the moon. It has no brain. And yet it has a message about the personal, infinite God. You need to pick up on that. We all do. Job chapter 12 and verse 7. But now ask the beast. Now we go. Now we go to the living creatures. What else is there? There is the physical universe. It says, Wow, We want to to talk to you about the infinite personal God. Now we come to the living creatures. And they say the same thing. We want to talk to you about the infinite personal God. You haven't got it? You missed it? You didn't hear that bird the other day telling you in its song? Oh, you're missing the joys of life. Now ask the beasts to let them teach you and the birds of the heavens to let them tell you. In other words, open up your ears to what's around you. Get in tune with your universe that you're in. And this is going to be critical later on down the lesson. I probably won't get to it today. I was planning to, but I'm not going to get there. You're just, you know, you're just too good today. Or speak to the earth and let it teach you, including the fish of the sea. You mean you can see a whale or a fish and not see an infinite personal God and hear the message of that fish? Who among all these... Notice what it says, folks. I'm not saying this. Who knows among all these? Who among all these does not know that the hand of the Lord has done this? Why are we so busy about stuff? But they haven't got time to hear what the fish have to say and what the birds have to sing about. They don't sing because they know how to sing. They sing because they have a song. I don't know where I heard that. In whose hand, in verse 10, in whose hand, that is the hand of the Lord, in whose hand is the life of every living thing and the breath of all mankind. An infinite, personal God. Does not the ear test the words of the physical universe and of all the living creatures? Don't you test the words of the universe in which God has situated you and the palate that tastes its food? can't you taste any of you, any of you like jalapenos? Can you taste them? You can taste a jalapeno some of the some of us have lost taste in some things, but most I like jalapenos see until last Sunday, and I was told that the create um, inflammatory, so I quit. Well, you know... You just can't taste anything after. Well, you can't <laughs> taste anything after. Oh, yeah. If they put hair on your head. I'm a, I'm a proof of that. I hate to quit them. But, you see, the palate tastes food, and yet he's saying that you can't see what the physical universe has to say, and you can't hear what the living creatures have to say, but your palate can taste food. Do you know the difference between a an possum and a chicken? <laughs> Probably not.
1: <laughs>
0: okay. But notice how he, he's, he's almost ridiculing people who can't get the message of the situation they're in Physically. We're missing the boat. I like verse 12, and we'll end with that. Well, I'm not going to end the class. I mean, uh, I, I'm going to go home after this one. Wisdom is with aged men. I'm about as old as they can get. <laughs> with long life is understanding. Don't count on it. Okay. <clears throat> so there are two results of creation. That They have a lot to say the physical universe in Psalms 19.1 and the living creatures of Job chapter 12. He is saying, become aware of where you are in this universe. Learn to be perceptive of the things and the message of the goldfish in the goldfish bowl. You've got the brains to do it. Now he says, do it. So both of these Both of these results of creation point to a personal origin. And let me me tell you a story about the Swiss Alps. There are three mountain ranges. There are two valleys. And one of the valleys has a lake. This has actually happened in years gone by, and there are records of it. And one, one of the valleys that has no lake begins to have a lake develop in its valley. And that lake rises and rises and pretty soon it becomes observed that the water level in that lake is precisely the same as the lake in the other valley. Now, you think about that for a moment, and then then, then let me take you on this same tour, but from a different perspective. Now we have this lake, and it keeps filling and filling and filling and filling, and now it is 10 feet higher than the lake on the other side of the mountain range. Would anybody suspect that this second lake has as its source the first lake when it rises higher? No. No. Everyone would assume that the first lake that comes to the exact level, the, the second lake, comes to the same level as the first lake, has the first lake as its origin. And my my point would be this. That there is, no one has ever thought of a way of deriving personality from a non-personal source. Now remember that. We have just talked about the infinite personal God and have introduced him. And that the physical universe proclaims it. The living creatures declare that. But personality is like that. No one has ever thought of a way of deriving personality from a non personal source. My conclusion to that statement is that biblical Christianity has an adequate and a reasonable explanation for the source and the meaning of human personality that cannot be found. In any theory of science, in any theory of politics, in any theory outside of that of the scripture, there is absolutely no other reasonable explanation for the source and meaning of human personality other than it has come from its personal origin, the infinite personal God. Well, we're almost to where we were last year, last week. Let me, let me conclude. We didn't, we're hardly halfway done here. But the creator of all, the whole of goodness, the giver of life, the one who keeps himself hidden, the question is, then, is he silent? And in your notes, if you have them, there is no use in having a silent God. There may as well not even be one if he is silent. But it could be that he is silent simply because we avoid him. Or sometimes we have a distorted view of God. He can be silent by our twisting of what it was he has said. So we miss his point. Or he can be silent by his choice. He can leave us in darkness with no idea about his purpose. How does that fit into his goodness? He won't, he won't infringe on you. He won't infringe on it. If you choose to be somewhere that he, where his goodness is not, then... But if he hasn't revealed it, then we're, we can't be held accountable. No. No accountability. So, I guess we have to close. Remember that these lessons are intended to enhance all of life, to get us to thinking about the right things, to become perceptive of the world in which we live, to learn to see the beauty of the harmony of creation, to see the principles about which we've spoken. So that when we come to God's revelation, we will see that God has chosen not to remain silent, but he has chosen to reveal to us in a beauty of revelation that is just absolutely overwhelming. And that's what I'm going to try to introduce to you next week. God is not silent. He has prepared a means for us to observe his message to man and to understand his purpose without infringing on us individually what a task what it appears to be an impossible mission and yet God has accomplished it what good is God if he is there but we don't know that he is there what good is there to know or to think that God may have a purpose and that He is good, if we have no way of knowing. Now, if we don't care, that's a different issue. We're not talking about that. People who are tuned into this are people who care. How does God remain hidden? I'm concluding now. How does God remain hidden and still communicate to us? How can He communicate with us without infringing on our person? Father, we are thankful for these moments together today. May we be encouraged to think, and may our commitment is to think rightly, and to use our capacity for thinking to come to be in tune with you. In Jesus' name, amen.